0: Hi, I am Dr. Wambui Wamburu and welcome to the drug chat. I think that the human body is intricately created, making us one of the most amazing living things on earth. In this podcast, we explore how the body works and then apply the drugs. My hope is that with this knowledge, we become better healthcare providers, whatever field of medicine you may be in, and better caregivers to our patients or to ourselves. We do take medicine from time to time, don't we? All right, let's break it down. Cancer drugs chat will begin with a class called alkylating agents. These were the first anti-cancer drugs used like in the 1900s and we still use them today. In fact, many would argue that they are the cornerstone of cancer treatment. They are most active in the interface part of the cell cycle, though not specifically any phase, and remember that interface is where the cell grows and where the DNA replicates. Good. So most alkylating agents, they have a similar mechanism of action, but differ in the effectiveness of the drug or their clinical efficacy what's different. They act directly on the DNA. How, you ask? By adding an alkyl group to the DNA. So for example, busulfan, adds an alkyl group to the N7 position of the base, the DNA base called guanine. Now the bond formed between the alkylating agent and the DNA is a covalent bond. And if you remember from high school science, this is a very strong bond. So on this two bond, it interrupts uh, the, the replication of DNA by uh, the double helix not uh, linking correctly, the strands break, and the cancer cell cannot mit- multiply, so it dies. There are five categories of alkylating agents. The first one are the oldest. They are the nitrogen mustards. In them, you'll find the bendamustine, chlorambucil, cyclophosphamide, which we use a lot, and can you believe it was approved in the 1950s? I-phosphamide, which is a prodrug of cyclophosphamide. Remember that prodrug is when the Iphosphamide needs to be metabolized to become active and it changes, abracadabra, and changes into cyclophosphamide. Then there's metlorethamine, which is really even older than cyclophosphamide. It's been in use for like 60 years, and melphalan. Then there are the uh, nitrosurias. There's Camastine, lumastine, streptozocin, and these are special because they can travel to the brain. They can cross the blood-brain barrier. Therefore, we, you'll see them used a lot in uh, brain cancers. Then there's the alkyl sulfonates and the bisulfon is in there. The next category is the triazines where you'll find the carbazine and termozolam- termozolamide. And then the last category is the ethyl nemines, and there you'll find the ultratetamine and thiotepa. So these drugs can be used alone, or they can be used in combination with other drugs to treat cancers of the lung, the breast, the ovary, leukemias, lymphomas, Hodgkin's, multiple myeloma, sarcomas, and I already talked about the brain um, cancers from the nitroserias. Now that we are armed with how alkylating agents work, we can predict the toxicities, right? Okay, let's see. Remember cancer's definition? It is when the cells grow at a faster rate than they should, and alkylating agents work to destroy these cancer cells. However, they cannot tell the difference between the cancerous cells and the healthy ones. So what do they do? They wipe everything out. So as a class, the major clinical toxicities include one, bone marrow suppression. That means that your red blood cells, your white blood cells, and your platelets are low. It's also referred to as myelosuppression. If your red blood cells are low, you're fatigued. Your white blood cells are low, you can get infected easily because you have no fighter soldiers. If your platelets are low, you're having issues with your clotting so you can bleed easy. Then there's a GI tract, the gastrointestinal tract. Let's start at the top, the mouth. In the mouth, you will have stomatitis, which is a painful swelling and sores form in the mouth. That's really painful and uncomfortable for the patient. Then we come down to the stomach. We see diarrhea, nausea, and vomiting. The next is alopecia, also a fancy word for saying hair loss. And thankfully, this reverses when the treatment ends. Have you noticed these major toxicities are in the cells where they're they're being found in cells that rapidly divide, just like the cancer cells, right? Okay, now let's take an example just to discuss these toxicities just a little further. Let's take cyclophosphamide. And when you look at the drug literature, they will talk about common side effects. Now, common side effects are those that you see in more than 30% of the patients. The first one listed is the nadir point. So they say the nadir point will be reached in 10 to 14 days after its administration. The nadir point is at the point which the blood cell counts are the lowest. So 10 to 14 days after you give cyclophosphamide is when you will find myelosuppression at its peak, when the blood cell counts are are at their lowest. Then there's hair loss. Usually begins in three to six weeks after the start of therapy. But remember, thankfully, this grows back after completion of treatment. So three to six weeks means it is possible for some, uh, their hair loss to start at cycle one and others, the hair loss may not begin until cycle two. Then there is nausea and vomiting. Now this is seen, it's most common when you give large doses of cyclophosphamide and usually begins six to 10 hours after therapy. So this is something you definitely want to talk to the patient about before you discharge them. Then the other thing to expect is discoloration of the skin and the nails. So that's the most, those are the common ones. And the less common side effects, and this is seen in 10 to 29% of the patients, the two I'll touch on are loss of fertility, and blood irritation so with loss of fertility especially with a with a young patient you want to talk to them about on whether should we be harvesting the eggs in a lady or should we be uh, getting sperm and putting in a sperm bank for the men all right so always keep in mind that these side effects they may happen to some and not others but it is important for the patient to be educated on this so that they can adhere to their schedule of treatment. Now that we're done with the toxicities, let us look at the pharmacology of this class. Alkylating agents are metabolized through the liver, hepatic metabolism. Let me take another example, thiotepa. It's metabolized in the liver majorly by Cytochrome 3A4 and minorly by cytochrome 2B6. I want to apply this to a clinical situation. So if the metabol if the thyotipa is metabolized by these enzymes, then it is considered to be a substrate of these enzymes. Okay, they work. This enzyme work on thyotipa. So your patient is on thyotipa, and. Substrate of 3A4, and let's say that this patient is also on, let's see, what drug? Amiodarone. Then there's definitely going to be an interaction. Amiodarone inhibits the activity or the work of 3A4. As a result, if there's no 3A4 to work on the thiotipa, nothing to gobble up the thiotipa, the amount of thiotipa in the plasma increases. Now, this is going to have to call for a clinical decision. Uh, Do we change the amiodarone to another drug or do we decrease the dose of of thiotipa? Okay, so once it's metabolized, it needs to get excreted. Uh, uh, Alkylating agents mostly excreted through the urine, meaning the kidney. For them to be excreted through the kidney, in the metabolism somewhere, they became water-soluble, and now they are going to get out of the body through the urine. However, so there are some drugs like procarbazine, and in addition to being excreted through the urine, it's also excreted via the feces, because it is possible for a drug to be excreted in more than one route, one more than one way. Okay, okay so that's a wrap on alkylating agents. On the next chat, we will tackle anti-metabolites. I am Dr. Wambui Wamburu, and thanks for listening to The Drug Chat. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe rate and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember to share with your friends. Until next time, stay inquisitive. Bye.